Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. When I was dating Violet when I was 18, I cried and she dumped my ass. So I'll just suppress this. Wow. All because we dated for two months when we were 18. I ruined you. <laughs> it's Violet Benson, your favorite meme queen and the big sis you didn't ask for but need. Welcome to Almost Adulting. Almost Adulting. Are you ready? Hello, and welcome to a brand new episode of Almost Adulting, previously known as Too Tired to Be Crazy, with me, your host, your bestie, your big sister, Violet Benson. Today's episode is literally all about why men need therapy. Hi, yeah, if you're a man, go to therapy. We've all been there, we're all doing it. Join the club. <laughs> uh, before we start off with today's episode with Traver, I wanted to give you some updates for example a lot of you guys have been asking me to give you updates about my birth control journey since i've gotten off birth control um last month now it's been a little over a month i think the first month was easy breezy lemon squeezy <laughs> because i think my body was still just thinking i forgot to take my birth control now i've entered the second stage of getting off birth control where i pretended like <laughs> I don't know what you guys are talking about. Like, I'm fine. <laughs> well, guess what? <laughs> I'm not fine. It's not been great. Obviously, it could be worse. That's what I keep telling myself. But one thing, I've gained 10 pounds getting off birth control. I know it seems odd, but I happen to be one of those people who lost weight when they got on birth control. So now getting off of it is making gain weight. So I've gained 10 pounds has made me pretty self-conscious. Like I think the last two weeks, I didn't even leave my house. I didn't go out because I just didn't feel good about myself, which is so silly. But the truth is all starts mentally. And if you don't feel good about yourself mentally, you don't feel good about yourself where you look in the mirror, where you see in the mirror. Obviously, me sharing this is not a way for you to self-pity me. It's a way for you to relate to my experience of getting up birth control. Then when it came to, comes to my hormones, I've been trying a lot of different things. And it feels like I'm on my period now every day, hormone-wise. Which honestly kind of pisses me off. Like the fact that us women, we have so many contraceptives to figure out how not to get pregnant when it takes two people. Last time I checked in science class, it takes two people to make a baby. So it's like, why is all the responsibility on us? And then people are always like, well, don't have sex if you don't want to get pregnant. Well, fuck you. <laughs> Everybody is changing. Anyway, um, <laughs> I'm sure this is all going to pass <laughs> in a month or two, but it's, you know, it's not great. I'm just trying to get back into my flow and just kind of accept the fact that my body is right now going through changes, but in hopefully a month or two, my body will get used to the different hormone changes. So <laughs> that's that. <laughs> Before I get to the pop culture segment, I did want to remind you guys that I now have episodes every Tuesday. So for my ladies, for my gays, for the other ones, <laughs> the men, um, and for anyone else listening, now if you're not into podcasts, if you don't have the time to listen to an hour podcast, I feel you, I understand. If you're just not your thing, guess what? I now will have episodes every Tuesday that are five minutes where I tell you something I learned this week. Like this week on Tuesday's episode is something, what I learned this week, which is right guy, wrong time. I'm telling you, it is life-changing advice. It's a pep talk you need to listen to and it will change your opinion about whatever you thought about wrong timing, perfect person. So I'm really excited for these episodes. I think they're perfect. And then hopefully soon I'll be able to move these episodes to YouTube. As for YouTube, another reminder, hey guys, every Friday, the episodes that are out today 
are out on youtube on fridays so today you're listening to the podcast tomorrow it's on youtube so make sure you go and subscribe to almost adulting youtube channel i know i'm giving you like a lot of information because i'm like subscribe to the podcast follow the instagram almost adulting don't forget there's a youtube channel tuesdays there's an episode now but trust me we'll get into the flow very soon I'm also excited that this is the third week of Mental Health Month. I hope you're enjoying this. I hope you're doing well mentally. I hope you're enjoying these episodes. And I'm also really excited that today's episode is all about men's mental health because that is important. It's important to understand our partners. And also it's important to understand the other 50% of this world, even though most of my listeners are women. So I'm really looking forward to that. Hope you guys enjoy this episode. And I'm really looking forward to my... Two other guests are coming in the next two weeks. And then in June, we have a whole new month, which is going to be hookup month. So cry as much as you need this month because next month we're fucking. Okay, so (laughs) to start pop culture segment off this week, as usual, someone's mad at a Kardashian. What's new? But let's talk about why everyone's mad about Kourtney Kardashian. And no, it's not even about her wedding dress. Last week, apparently, it was revealed that her three children were the only quote-unquote family members missing from her extravagant engagement to Travis Barker. Penelope specifically did not take it well, and the conversation ended with both her and Courtney in tears. Anyway, earlier this week, Courtney and Travis got legally married at a courthouse in Santa Barbara, and Scott Disick made sure to post Instagram stories of his day with his kids. It was probably the first time he was with those kids that year. I'm kidding. I actually have no idea how much time he spends with his kids, so that was a joke. But basically, people were saying that he was doing that to kind of confirm that they weren't at the courthouse with Courtney and Travis. Obviously, people were very upset with Courtney because people love to get mad at celebrities, specifically the Kardashians. There's nothing they can do right. So it was later confirmed, though, that none of the Kardashians or the Jenners family was there, except for their grandmother, MJ, which is honestly the best member of the Kardashians, let's be honest. So let's just all take a step back, maybe, and just give Courtney a break for a little while. Like, it's her wedding. It's her life okay i'm like i know we just want to be angry at something but look in the mirror sometimes be angry yourself for being so angry at everything else <laughs> i mean look at me how angry today i was uh, at my birth control earlier this week it was also revealed that yet another man from my list is getting crossed off <laughs> i'm so upset about this one first of all fine last week we crossed off jack harlow cool i wasn't sad i didn't shed a tear we don't care we're moving on from that man because he is overhyped because of his height let's be honest and i'm over it i don't care for it after he was getting carried away i'm good i got carried away with that crush goodbye we're done (laughs) no thank you but now i'm upset because jason momoa is reportedly taken not only am i upset because now i don't have a chance with him anymore to see what he looks like naked but i'm upset because i really loved his relationship with his partner and i'm sad to see him actually dating other people so it's being reported that he is now casually dating Isa Gonzalez. But in case it doesn't work out, Jason, I need you to know I am available. I am here. I'm waiting for you. I am desperate and I'm ready. <laughs> so if you're looking for a woman with some extra curve, I just gained 10 pounds. So I got you. <laughs> what is it? More cushion for the pushing. Okay, great. Moving on. This one is a beautiful little story Miranda Kerr and her husband Evan Spiegel gave the graduating students at Otis College of Art and Design in LA the gift of a lifetime the Spiegel family fund basically made a donation they paid off all of their student loans honestly that's beautiful that's amazing those are the type of stories I want to hear I don't want to hear anymore about what the Kardashians ate for breakfast and then people getting upset that Kendall Jenner doesn't know how to cut a cucumber this is a story They paid off all of their student debt, like all of their student loans. So if any of you guys are currently in student loan debt, like my sister from law school, maybe try DMing Miranda Kerr and see if she can help you out. The last thing I wanted to bring up, especially since I was just talking about my birth control, this is really sad, but earlier this week, Britney Spears announced that she suffered a miscarriage. Not only is it really sad for Britney Spears, but it's something that happens more often than we discuss with women. 
it's a topic that women don't discuss enough, especially because as women, we think that a lot of women do, that our bodies were meant to produce children. And when women have miscarriages or they're unable to conceive, it always comes with a feeling of shame. Like we did something wrong that our body didn't function the way it was supposed to. So obviously my heart breaks to Britney Spears. And also it's very sad because she's always been very vocal about wanting more children. And throughout her conservatorship, she was forced to be on birth control. So obviously it was very important for her to have this baby, just like it's very important for every human in this world, every woman in this world, you know, that exists. I'm assuming a lot of them do want babies. So I'm sure a lot of women can relate to what Britney Spears is currently going through. And yeah, it's heartbreaking. It's something, like I said, a lot of people don't talk about enough and i hope she's okay and i hope she'll finally get back to to being happy so we're at almost adulting sending our wishes and condolences to britney spears we love you and to any other woman out there that ever experienced a miscarriage my heart breaks for you and i hope you're okay and i hope you know it wasn't your fault and yeah sucks and actually speaking of miscarriages when i had uh, mila jovovich on my podcast she is one of my idols, my icons. She's a Ukrainian Jew like me. And she actually spoke briefly about her experience when she was going through a miscarriage. So if anyone out there right now, if this triggered you or made you feel a certain way, if you wanted to kind of listen more about that type of conversation, you can just scroll through my episodes and get to the episode that I have with uh, Mila Jovovich. For the rest of you, I hope you have a beautiful rest of your podcast listening experience and enjoy traver i would love your feedback hope you like it again don't forget tomorrow we will be up on youtube on almost adulting youtube channel love you besties hi i'm Val benson welcome to almost adulting previously known as too tired to be crazy today my special guest Traver Bohem. This week's topic is about mental health for men. That's why I brought him on because he's a specialist in that and he's also the founder of Men Uncivilized Movement. He aims to inspire men across the globe to embrace their primal masculine traits and balance them with divine masculine traits. So this balance is a pathway to increase confidence, emotional capacity, and a healthier mental state so the uncivilized movement what does it mean to be an uncivilized man it's a juicy question violet i think the best way i can explain it is to tell a little bit of the backstory of how this came about and i was actually living in new york city at the time 2018 perhaps so like right in the middle of me too and i just had this odd idea like i didn't work with men i wasn't a men's coach i wasn't an author but I moved into this huge building in Brooklyn and was like, I'm going to throw a men's gathering, like some kind of men's group, right? And I promoted the hell out of it. It was on Facebook. It was on Meetup, all these things. Our building had this beautiful conference area. So come downstairs, open the doors, expect to see like a crowd full of men. And I've got one dude, <laughs> I've got one guy in there. I was like, okay, I got one guy, I can do this. And, and so I was like, okay, game on, right? Like I, all I need is one. And for like 45 minutes, Violet, I just dumped on this guy of like, this is what primal masculinity is. This is what divine masculinity is. This is boundaries. This is emotional intelligence. This is finding your heart. This is connecting your heart and your cock. And he finally, I think at the 45 minute mark, I stopped and took a breath. And he goes, hey man, uh, just, just wanna let you know, um, I've followed you since your fitness days and I'm just here. I just need some help losing 20 pounds. And I went, <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, awesome. So long story short, uh, I was like, tell me your story, tell me your history. And this is what came out of it. He goes, I can't not eat McDonald's breakfast burritos. And I was like, bro, you just, I have like a master's degree in Chinese medicine. I have 10 years of training athletes. Like, here's my answer. Never step foot in McDonald's again. We're done here. That's it. And he goes, I, I can't do that. And I was like, he's a cop, right? So I thought, what is you like, is it on your beat? Do you have to check in with McDonald's? Like, what's the deal? And he goes, they have the best coffee. And again, I was like, okay, I'm going to buy you a French press and all of your problems will be solved for life. And that was kind of the end of our meeting. 
And I go upstairs and I'm hanging out with my roommate, this amazing guy. And I said, man, this guy just wasted my time. I'm like kind of, you know, venting for him with him. He's like, he just, he just has like a McDonald's issue. And it was like 5 a.m. We're getting ready to go downstairs and train our asses off. And he stops me and he says, when was the last time you ate McDonald's? And here's the thing that came out of my mouth that changed my life forever. I said, I don't eat that shit. That's civilian food. And literally, he pulls his phone out and he starts filming me. He has a big social media following. I was like, what do you mean civilian food? What does it mean to be a civilian? I said, Adam, take a look at our apartment. Take a look at how we live. There's no alcohol in here. There's no drugs in here. We're not fucking random women. We spent the evening talking about really real issues. And we're about to go downstairs, throw ourselves against a pile of weight, kick the shit out of ourselves in the gym. This is not how civilized men live. I want to take the combination of this primal savagery that we're about to go unleash in a gym unapologetically and combine it with what we did last night, which is this huge dose of consciousness, this huge dose of emotional intelligence. For lack of a better word, I know this word scares the hell out of people, a huge dose of intimacy, like real intimacy. And to me, the civilized man has no connection to either one of those. He has a toxic or shadow understanding of what it means to be primal and a fear or a push against or a aversion to anything emotional or conscious. So that was how I viewed the civilized world. He also has no relationship, and this is the biggie, no relationship to pain. And so uncivilized was the opposite of that. It was a man who's unapologetically primal. I know why I get up in the morning, I want to do some things. I want to lead. I want to build shit, right? I want to be with my woman. And yet, I also understand that if I ignore what's happening in this part of my body and I'm touching my chest and my heart, that my life is going to fall apart. I'm going to become dangerous. I'm going to become toxic. I'm going to become one of the guys that I was reading about every day in stories about Me Too. So that's a long answer to a short question. Since we're talking about men and mental health, how many guys have you met or anybody listening to this and you've asked a man, how are you? He goes, I'm fine. To me, that's the McDonald's answer. That's the civilized answer. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Your physical health is attached to your mental health and your emotional health, and I am more of that person that says I'm fine. I do respond based on the therapists I've interviewed and things like that. My responses, especially in dating, are more like a man. And I usually date men who respond more like women if you had to define the sexes. So I think I do understand where you're coming from, where if me personally, I start taking better care of my diet and of myself, I think I would probably start taking better care of my relationships and have more time to what I ingest from my friendships and my relationships to the way I talk to myself and things like that because it's kind of like it's a step by step. Once you start taking better care of your physical, you're gonna start taking better care of your mental health and your emotional health because you, you're more aware of everything around. There's something really nourishing emotionally to have intimacy. And I'm not talking about sexual intimacy. I'm talking about if you and I sat across from each other at a, a cafe and had a real conversation like, hey, tell me about what's going on with you. Tell me what's really going on with you. Wow, that must be hard. Wow, that must be beautiful. And then I get to share the same thing with you. We would walk away from that lunch feeling full, feeling healthy, feeling seen, heard, celebrated, met, all of the things. So if we, just if we use food as that example, men specifically 
are starving for that. I'm not saying, and, and I want to clarify that throughout this this entire conversation, I'm not saying that women don't experience the same thing, if not more sometimes, or worse, but since we're speaking specifically about men, we are starving for the nourishment of connection and also drowning in a sea of our own denied pain. Yeah. If we can let that sentence hang in the room for everybody listening. Like That's the male challenge in two sentences or one. Now, how we react to that is all of the ways that culturally we're not okay with. Murder, sexual assault, suicide, addiction, all of the outcroppings of that, the branches of which we deal with, the way we act out, stem from that sentence. You mentioned in your TED Talks how people look at you and they just see a white man with a shaved head and then they think your movement is some political statement against men. So how would you really describe your movement? My movement gets men two things. A safe, judgment-free space, period. Like that's step one. Step two is actually it provides brotherhood, which we can talk about if I go back to nourishment, Violet. Men need men. Period. We need each other to be emotionally healthy, to be mentally healthy, to be physically healthy. When I started doing these groups, I would ask guys like, okay, we got 15 guys in a circle, right? And be like, okay, how many of you have ever dealt with an issue around alcohol at all? Like any issue. I'm not saying you're an alcoholic. And it's like one hand goes up and then 99% of the hands go up, right? Or if not a hundred. I'm like, cool. How about with drugs? Same thing. Any drug. And it's yeah, maybe a little bit less percentage, but the same thing happens. One hand goes up, then the hands go up. Then I get a little bit more personal and go, all right, how many of you have ever dealt with an issue with porn, which is a little, has a little more shame attached to it? And guys kind of like look down and look around and then, then one hand goes up and then every damn hand goes up, right? And then I say, okay, how many of you thought you were going to have the only hand go up to any of those questions and every hand shoots up in a heartbeat. So you're saying all men are the same. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm saying that we deal with the same issues, but here's the asterisk or caveat to us as a species. So my, to answer your question, my movement creates reality and brotherhood. I love that. I, I did notice on TikTok a lot of times when I see the TikToks with men trying to open up or talking about, you know, we don't just want sex. We want the intimacy and it's being so open. Then I see comments from men being so open, being like, yeah, and until you cry in front of your woman and then she no longer finds you masculine. Yeah, until until she asks you what's wrong and you tell her and then and then suddenly they dump you for having feelings. And I do wonder, is that actually the real experience or is that a like that's a real fear the men have and why why do they have that fear that they think if they open up that's it we're going to leave them that we don't want that i will project that they have that fear because it is their lived experience at some point so one of the challenges that men have is that if it happens to us once we think that's a universal so say you and i were dating when we were 18 and i cried in front of you and you were like man you're kind of a weenie i'm leaving you then in my male brain, I'm going to go, okay, I will never cry in front of a woman again. And here I am, I'm 42 years old, we're four years into a marriage, something catastrophic has happened, I'm so full of emotion, I don't know what to do, I'm like literally bursting at the seams, and I go, oh, I remember, when I was dating Violet when I was 18, I cried and she dumped my ass, so I'll just suppress this. We have brain, a little bit of brain dysfunction. Wow. All because we dated for two months when we were 18. I ruined you. <laughs> That's it. Jesus. Cool. It's Violet. Yes. Sorry to throw you under the bus, Violet. <laughs> I'm the worst. <laughs> but that's truly, right? It's truly how our brains work. Or we're dealing with an outdated model. So we cried when we were 10 and our guy friends like punched us and called us a wussy and called us all kinds of names and teased us. Or in junior high it happened and we're, again, we carry it forward. We have a dysfunctional relationship with male emotion in this culture. Yeah. 
A hundred percent. As someone that didn't grow up with emotional intimacy, I know secretly I was always yearning for that. And I think with men growing up thinking it's not the norm, they're supposed to be strong and, and, and showing emotion is, is weakness. I think deep down they are yearning for to be understood, to, to be heard, to talk about their emotions. You can't create intimacy without emotion. You just can't. Men and women, we're walking around starving for this. But we have to we have to reshift the cultural view in men. Men do, we do. This is our responsibility. I'm also with you in that I don't think guys should be bawling their eyes out 24 hours a day, seven days a week. At some point we say to men, like I say, now what are you going to do? So it's this yes and. Yes, you need to have in touch with, you have to have access to your emotion. Yes, you have to have the ability to share that emotion. And you're also going to have to live your life. You're going to have to build some things. You're going to have to get out there and do some things. We are the doers on the planet. So we need to have both. This is why I, yeah. I put in the I in like the movement. that. It's primal and divine. It's it's aggressive and conscious. It's both. I knew I was onto something violent four or five years ago when I threw this idea out publicly of hey, what if it's both? What if it's not just one or the other? And my life blew up in front of me with being just flooded by thousands of men saying, this is what we've been waiting for. This is what we've been waiting for. I don't want to be the 1950s stoic Rambo, you know, soldier who has lone wolf with no emotions. But I also don't want to be the collapsed, nice guy, softy. Like I want to have access to both. And women were the same saying, I want a man who will still lead who will still be powerful and strong and want to do great things in the world, but also can sit down with me and here's the word, be real. I agree with that, again, not just for men, but for any human in general. I like that because that takes away from the victim mentality where it's being self-aware, but it's like, okay, now what? Because you can't just walk around being like, oh, sorry, I did this because I got cheated on seven years ago. It's more like, okay, I know I got cheated on. Now, how do I change that? And I like that because a lot of people, if they go to therapy, they think that's it. The work is done versus actually applying. You just mentioned in your comment about the Marlboro man. So what is the Marlboro man paradigm? It's what a lot of us grew up with, right? It's probably what you grew up with, with your father. Here in the States, the Marlboro man was like the quintessential lone cowboy. It's the archetype that has no emotion. That's the lone wolf that doesn't need anybody else, doesn't need brotherhood. And here's the biggie that views any aspect that could be considered feminine as weak. So showing emotion, having connection, God forbid, needing help, needing support, wanting to feel, that is the Marlboro Man paradigm. And that, again, that's for most, I'm 46 years old. That was my father. That was my grandfather. That was probably the men before him. And for good reason, right? These were the men that went to World War II. These were the men here in the U.S. that fought in Vietnam. We couldn't ask these men to go do the things that they do and stop them. Like, can you imagine if they stopped the boats outside of Normandy and we're like, okay, real quick, emotional check-in. How many of you guys want to be here? How many of you are afraid? Okay, John, you're afraid. Steven, you're a little bit nervous. Okay, you guys can leave. You guys can go and, you know, right? Like we, we can't. And so we have this cultural challenge with male emotion. What I was saying is that we're like, we want you to feel, we want you to feel. And we also most likely need you to be the ones who are going to kill and die on our behalf. That makes sense. Things have changed since back then. So that's why it makes sense now to evolve. Like, yeah, my father was also in the army, Russian army, uh, Navy. But it, it's and one of the reasons people make jokes about Russians being alcoholics is because it would be so cold during the wars that they would have to take shots of vodka and in order to A, be OK with the cold and mm -hmm. B, to just kind of go there and do it. So, yeah, no one's going to stop there and be like, hey, mental health check in. Are we doing OK? <laughs> <laughs> really quick. It's so brave of you to cry before you kill people. Good, come here. Give me a big hug. <clears throat> Everybody come give Ivan a big hug, right? <laughs> yeah. But here's the deal. Here's where I say the other side is necessary, right? We, we saw this here in, I don't know if you were in California. This was maybe four or five years ago when like the entire state caught fire, right? Like there were fires up and down Santa Barbara. There were fire, like everywhere was on fire. 
It was like two weeks prior to that, the American Psychological Association put this study out saying, here's what toxic masculinity is. Any guy who can be stoic, any guy who can compartmentalize, any guy who's not feeling his emotions, any guy who uh, is aggressive or is a risk taker. And I was like, wow, that's, that's like 90% of the dudes I know. That's me, right? That's toxic. Then two weeks later, California catches on fire. And what do we do? We send tens of thousands of mostly men to go fight those fires. And who are those men? Men who are stoic, men who can compartmentalize, men who can put their emotions to the side, men who can be aggressive, men who can take risks. Here's the flip side of that. This is where I want to have my work come in, Violet. We need men who can do that stuff. We do. I just got chills, so I know we're talking about the right stuff. But then here's what we need to do afterwards is take those men aside and say, hey, how are you? Hey, I know you watched your buddy catch fire in front of you and die. And guess what? Fine and okay, those aren't, those aren't acceptable answers. How are you really? We need to hold you while you sob this out, scream this out, punch this out, whatever, because you got a wife and two kids to go home to. And drinking your way through this problem until it gets to be too big is no longer acceptable for us culturally. We are not victims. Like, I don't want this to be a podcast like, oh, look at us, Violet. Poor men, poor men, poor men. When 90% of your audience has most likely had to deal with someone that looks a lot like me who has traumatized them. But we have to shift. Men have to come together now and go, hey, guess what? Our team, not doing that great right? Like, <laughs> we're logical creatures, aren't we? We can look at numbers. We can look at statistics. Not really doing that great. Mm-hmm. It's not women's responsibility to solve this for us. It's not women's responsibility to bring this to us. It's our responsibility to get together and go, hey, man, I know you're not okay. And I love you so damn much. I'm not going to take I'm okay for an answer. And by the way, I'm not okay. And I need you to love me so much as a brother that you don't let me get away with saying like, yeah, man, my dad died, my dog died, my wife just left me. I'm okay. I'm just going to work out a lot and, you know, play some video games. We need that shift in the male culture. Statistics wise, what's the percentage right now or statistically speaking for suicides among men right now? Do you have an idea? I know that 70% of suicides are male. We are responsible for 70%. Eight out of 10 of those come after a divorce or a breakup. So that tells me that like relationally, that's the big feeders. Like divorce and breakup, they're like the junior varsity team and, and suicide is the varsity. But 70%, that's a lot. What's also interesting is suicide and overdose are the finality what about every guy underneath that who's not, who hasn't killed himself but is on the verge? What about every guy who hasn't overdosed but is, is like, he's your chiropractor, he's your heart surgeon, he's your cop, he's your attorney, he's your brother. His life is a train wreck and he's leaving behind a wife, a, a husband, kids that are also now being traumatized because of his actions. That makes me so sad. I don't right? know why I'm crying. I feel, you. Oh. I feel you, Violet. I feel you. Which is why I'm creating something or have created something to shine light on this in a way that says to men, guess what? You're still a man when you deal with this stuff. You're still strong. You're still powerful. You're still all the things that testosterone fuels you with. But brother, you've been handed a broken set of rules and it's time for a new set of rules. That makes me sad because growing up when I was already in the U.S., I had a friend or two where their father committed suicide when he lost money. And I think that's why I got teary-eyed because at one point my dad lost most of our money from stocks and things like that. And I remember even though we didn't have a good relationship in my brain was I just assumed I could feel my dad's emotions even though he didn't express them. And I just knew he probably wasn't okay. And then at the same time, I saw one of my friend's father commit suicide when he lost money in the company. So to see that... That, it kind of told me like even though my dad's not saying anything I'm gonna be around even though we don't have a good relationship and I think that's why I teared up because the thought of like 
because I know how much my father was probably struggling when he lost most of our money. And I can't imagine if we weren't more around or we shamed him or made him feel bad about it. Just assume because my father, as most men at that age, they're supposed to be the breadwinner and they're supposed to, you know, provide. So if they're unable to do that, he kind of has no other purpose because it's not there emotionally. So his purpose pure purpose is to provide for his children his wife so not being able to do that he has no purpose so i just can't like i think that's why i got teary it's just the thought of if my father went through those thoughts or like god forbid he wouldn't be here today because he felt like he failed us you know but luckily we got through it you know yeah thank you for just sharing so openly too and the statistics i read are all the men who don't have that or even they may have it but the pain and the shame is too big Yet when we get guys in a circle, Violet, of other men, or we get guys in a community of other men, and we say, hey, man, there's more value to you than your paycheck. There's more value to you. Your presence is actually gold. Your presence is this weird nourishment that no one ever taught you is more valuable, if not as valuable, than the fact that there's a roof over your kid's head, there's food on the table, and there's safety. It's both. I want to go back to the yes and, because a lot of the challenge I see culturally is that we've taught men it's one or the other, right? Hey, you're just a paycheck. You're just a provider. You're just a this. And then the pendulum swung all the way on the other side and went, you're just an emotional being. We just want your presence. We just want your softness. We just want your tears. And, and that may have need, been needed for, for a bit of an overcorrection, but then those guys are equally as challenged. Those guys who are like, well, I don't know what to do with myself. I don't know what to, I'm, I'm lost. I have no value. I'm, I have no purpose. I have no mission. And so what I'm trying to do in this movement is to tell men, I want you and I need you and I'm calling you forward to have both. You got to be out there doing something. You got you to protect, provide. You have to stand up. You have to be a force of, of groundedness for your wife and your family. And that means you got to find your fucking balls. I don't know how else to say it. But you also have to find your fucking heart. And if you go too far one way or the other, you as a man will suffer. And then downstream, so will everybody beneath you or beside you as well. I mean, I don't, I don't want to use beneath as like a you know, hierarchical standpoint. That is something a lot of times men don't understand, and especially nowadays when things have changed and women are not, all, not all women are stay-at-home moms, not that there's anything wrong with it. I grew up with one, but it's now women are making money and a lot of times sometimes they make more money than the man and a lot of times men don't feel secure enough to be with those women or they feel like they can't provide anything for the woman when in reality we just want the emotional support sometimes just to be there and how do you explain that to a man like he's not hearing us sometimes when we say that he needs to hear it from another man i imagine every woman's going to nod when i say this thing is that i can hear something from my partner who's a woman and go uh okay uh i don't think that's a really great idea and then two weeks later, I'll come home and be like, guess what my buddy just told me? And I'll tell her the exact same thing that she told me. And I'm like, and I think this is a brilliant idea. There's something about our beings that gets transferred to each other. And hear the language I'm using. It's not just verbal. When we hear things from other men, it's the yes and of we're in this unique cultural point as men, right? You don't need me. You don't need a man for to like, oh my God, Violet was starving and living on the street until she met a dude who now pays for all her shit and gives her a, that's, that's so gone. It's so I gone. I wish, I wish, <laughs> seriously, I wish. I, so I wouldn't be doing this stupid podcast anymore. Just kidding, just kidding. Bye. I finally find a man that pays for everything and be like, sorry, bitches, I'm out, bye. <laughs> <laughs> Do you need a moment? <laughs> what, we, what we haven't told men and taught men and what a lot of them haven't experienced is what happens when they actually show up with deeply grounded masculine presence. That is like this weird invisible gift and security blanket for women. So speaking of the 
statistics of eight to ten male suicide which is honestly insane then it specifically comes right after a breakup if any men currently listening to this podcast uh, who currently went through a breakup or divorce or something like that and are not in a great place mentally what advice do you have to give them i have a mantra for them it's called fight hurt it is the last ethos tenant i have an ethos for the uncivilized movement that's the overall mantra like you got to fight hurt but here's the thing. You got to get around good people. You got to get around brothers. You got to get around men. You got to feel this. Here's the challenge with us, Violet. We don't know how to feel emotion and we don't know how to skillfully navigate emotion. So truthfully, actually, let me re retract my entire sentence. If you're a guy going through a breakup or a divorce and you're struggling right now, get some therapy. Call a professional. Have someone that actually their job in life is to help you navigate this stuff. We have this weird view that if like I have to reach out for help around therapy, then there's something wrong with me. When I didn't know jujitsu and I wanted to learn jujitsu, I didn't just sit in my room by myself and try to figure it out. I hired a damn jujitsu coach, right? So with, with breakup and divorce, if you don't know how to navigate it, get some help. Get in a men's group. Talk to some men. Here's some other advice. Don't drink your way through it. Don't fuck your way through it. Don't get high your way through it. Don't play video games your way through it. Sit in the pain and then make a decision. Here's the million dollar sentence. Figure out what you're going to do with it. Pain is a catalyst. Pain is fuel. Pain is inspiration. And I didn't know that until I got divorced. I didn't know it till I woke up on rock bottom and someone actually said this sentence to me, this is going to be the worst year of your life or it's going to be the best year of your life. Either way, it's going to be the hardest, but you have a decision to make right now. And I went, I just got chills by it. Uh, actually, I'm still friends with him too, by the way. I didn't know the guy who said that. He just randomly took a phone call from me um, and we're still friends to this day. But that's what I say to men. You get to use this to change your life for the better. Heartbreak opens us in ways that we never knew were possible if you let it. But here's the asterisks that most guys don't want to hear. You're going to have to feel the pain. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You can't be like, well, I'll just take a bunch of pills and then six months from now, my life will be radically better and I would have learned all the lessons that pain would have taught me. That's actually why research shows that after breakups, men always move on faster physically, but emotionally, six months down the line, women have healed from the breakup and they're usually like completely done with it. And that's when men finally start to show the symptoms of not being over the breakup, suddenly reaching out to their ex because they never actually processed it because they, for six months, went on a bender of drinking or having sex. And women were crying every single night, telling their friends and dealing with their emotions. And getting support. Right? You use that word, telling their girlfriends, talking about it. We men love to isolate when we get hurt or when we get in trouble, which is the worst. Yeah. Uh, I remember my divorce attorney telling me that the average time it took for a man whose wife had left to be dating the woman he would be engaged to next, you're going to how many? It was 90 days. And I, literally, I, did, I did what you just did. My eyes went wide. I was like, wait, within three months, a guy whose wife has left is already dating the woman he's going to propose to next? And she was like, yep, 90 days? I was still like, 
puking and crying on the bathroom floor and, you know, trying to go into therapy for a year, let alone 90 days. We are like, okay, give me a Band-Aid. And unfortunately, the Band-Aid is often another woman. But then do they actually heal or they just... Not a chance. Not a chance. It's something like uh, 70% of second marriages lead to divorce. Okay, so it's kind of like I'm not the problem. She was the problem. So then I'm going to find a Band-Aid. Okay, this woman's different. This is going to work out. And then it still doesn't because I was actually the problem because I never worked on my certain issues. Was that is that what you mean? But both of you are probably a little bit of the problem. But here's what guys are doing. They're just going, my ego's hurt. I'm in pain. I don't know how to deal with the fact that I've gotten humbled by a situation and that my heart is hurting. I know what will make my heart feel better, a new body. Yeah, look at, see those blinky eyelashes? That makes me feel better. See the curves? I'm not thinking about my pain right now. But everything that we suppress ends up coming out sideways or everything that we deny ends up eventually being magnified. So this guy is sitting on a nuclear bomb of pain in his stomach while going out on a date with you because he hasn't processed that stuff. He hasn't worked through it. And I just listened to a great guy last night named G.S. Youngblood who said, emotion knows no time. And so if I have all of this suppressed emotion in my stomach and five years later it decides to come up, it's going to feel exactly like it did the day that it happened, which is confusing to a lot of men who are like, hey, wait a minute, but I've been dating this new girl and she's really good in bed and we have a lot of fun. I can't be depressed. I can't be angry. I can't be any of these emotional things. So yeah, that's why I think it's it's a big challenge for men. Breakup and divorce are a big challenge. So is that when you say we need brotherhood, is that what you mean when you mention the word to be your brother's keeper? Yeah, a thousand percent, Violet. It's one of the lies, and, and I want to be very conscious about this sentence that men learned in the last 20, 30 years was that having close, intimate male friendship was gay. There was like this homophobic umbrella put on top of it. It's twofold. It was that of like, hey, I can't hug you, right? I can't say I love you, which now I say to every one of my male friends, it's this beautiful exchange of of just appreciation as opposed to realizing, wow, John's my brother. And Violet just chose him for whatever reason. It'll come back and bite her in the ass 15 years later. That's a big part of it. So be your brother's keeper is men. It's our responsibility to start taking care of each other as opposed to outsourcing that to women. Got it. Yeah, that's nice. What do you have to say to men that say that being a nice guy gets you walked all over? So we have to, we have to put nice guy here in its category. It's a capital N and it's a capital G. So it's not like, hey, you're, you're a nice human. Like, Violet, you seem like a really nice person. That's not the same as like, I as a man am a quote, nice guy, unquotes. And a nice guy in that capacity is a very codependent guy. It's a very, it's a guy who doesn't have confidence. It's a guy who won't express his needs. It's a guy who's terror. Here's the biggie, terrified of conflict in any capacity. It's a guy with a huge abandonment complex. So this is the guy you date, Violet, who's like, oh, yeah, I just like what you like. I just want to do what you want to do. But secretly, he doesn't. And so all of this resentment builds up. Or he's the guy that's like, God, I'm just so much more comfortable around women because I'm scared of men. I'm scared of having to stand my ground. I'm scared of having to have an opinion. I'm scared of actually having to put a stake in the ground and go, this is what I live for. This is what I'm about. Oh, and by the way, these are my needs. These are my wants. These are my desires. What my brain said, the dysfunction in my brain said, is if you say something she doesn't like, she's going to leave. Got it. So it's the term nice guy being misinterpreted, thinking that when you're a nice guy, you get walked all over. That's because the nice guy is just somebody who won't stand up for himself versus being a nice guy in reality is really just understanding your own needs and taking care of the other person's needs and being nice by being like, oh, this makes you safe, then I'll make sure to show up for you. But also here's how you can show up for me. 
Like, I actually don't like your lasagna. I don't like baseball. But what do we do? We eat lasagna and go to baseball games all day because I really, really hope if I do that enough, you'll make it your idea to have sex with me. Because then I never have to take the risk of saying, hey, Violet, I'm going to make sushi and we're going to go to a football game and then I'm going to throw you down on the couch and make love to you. Right? Because that's that. Because if you were like, well, I don't really want to do that today. Then my nice guy brain goes, okay, she hates me. I'm not enough. I, my, everyone was right. Uh, she's going to leave. So I just, I, I can't believe I said that. Okay, lasagna and baseball it is. What's the three bucket theory? I have a bucket. My partner has a bucket. And then there's this third bucket that's independent of the two of those called the relationship bucket. And so what a lot of people do is think that there's just one bucket and that's the relationship bucket. What I do is make sure my bucket gets full and then I pour into the relationship bucket. My partner, Katie, she has to make sure her bucket is full. Then she pours into the relationship bucket then the relationship bucket overflows and pours back into our buckets. And it's this beautiful symbiotic thing. With a nice guy, he's like, I don't even have a bucket. So I'm just going to like try to pour as much as I can into her bucket. And then she'll pour into the relationship bucket, right? Or, or a lot of people do this. They just don't realize that it's healthy. Like my partner has her own friends. She has her own hobbies. She has stuff that she does independent of me that she comes home from all lit up. I have my own friends. I have my own hobbies. I have stuff that I come home all lit up. And then we have stuff that we do together that is just ours that fills the relationship bucket. Okay. So it's my bucket, your bucket, our bucket. Yep. Since most of my listeners are women, what advice do you have to give to women where they have a partner that's not used to talking about their feelings or that is currently depressed, but if you told them you're depressed, they'll, they'll feel attacked. Like, how can you be there for your partner or your male friend or your, your family member that's a male that's not used to talking about their feelings? Like, how do, you, how do you start? Like, what do you tell them? Yeah, it's a beautiful question. I think first, the second half of what you said is the most important, that it's not an attack, that it really is speaking to someone human to human and saying, in the most loving and supportive way you can, all of you is welcome. I'm not going to leave if. I'm not going to judge you if. Right? My partner has said this to me, and I teach this stuff, but I still fall into some male patterning. She'll say, hey, remember, all of you is welcome. In fact, I need all of you. I want all of you. And then here's the beauty, Violet. She'll tell me what it does for her. She'll say, I actually feel much safer around you when you share that stuff. I can actually trust you much more when you share that stuff. Because my dysfunctional male brain is like, if I share this stuff, she's not going to feel safe. If I share this stuff, she's going to think I'm weak. So to have her reaffirm that over and over and over throughout our relationship is really helpful. Speak to the fear of, hey, I bet that you think that if you share this stuff, I'm going to think that you're weak or I'm going to shame you like other people have in the past. I'm not. I want to know you. I want to feel you. I want to support you. I want to be there for you in all the ways that you've been there for me. Yeah, so positive affirmations is really important. So, and, and so I guess instead of being like, well, if you went to therapy, then you wouldn't be like this or this would be different. It's more like, hey, the other night when you opened up to me, it made me feel very safe with you. <laughs> right. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. Yeah, I, I wouldn't go with the first one. Like we, yeah. we, we have to be results oriented and then remember that we're speaking to someone's deepest fear. I think that goes for both men and women. It helps if you start with some vulnerability, right? If I sit down with my partner and be like, tell me the, the hardest things that you're going through, right? It's, it's not the same that if I say, hey, yesterday I was all fucked up. You know, I, I tried to share it with you, but I couldn't. But like my dad's really sick right now and I don't know what to do with it. And I can sense that you're going through something too. Would you mind sharing that with me? We open and lead with our own vulnerability. That's a really beautiful invitation for somebody else's. I think on both ends, especially now, we're all trying so hard to better understand our feelings and our emotions. And then it's really hard sometimes to have enough space than for the other person in your life. Like even I'm thinking about an example where a guy 
shared how I made him feel about something. And instead of hearing it, I responded with like, you make me feel like shit for saying that. So I'm like, so it's not only I was thinking of my, my feelings. I wasn't for a second thinking like, oh, he's trying to open up to me. I was just like, that makes me feel like shit. And then he was just like, how can we communicate or how can we move forward if I can't tell you then how I feel? I'm like, well, not like that. Cause I don't like that, you know, but it's, it's as if like, it was just now that I think about it, it was so one sided on both of our ends where yeah. I felt not heard because he wasn't understanding my emotions. Cause he's focusing on his feelings and I'm not actually hearing him because I'm focusing on my feelings. Like you're hurting my feelings. And he's like, well, you're hurting my feelings. And it's, it's, it is interesting. I kind of do wonder how people are able to come in the middle where both people feel safe to share their emotions without attacking the other well to be in relationship if we use that word not like as a title of like we're dating but to be actually in relationship is to allow people to have their own space to hold that space so if you said i'm really upset by this thing that you said to me if you say that to me i need to be able to take a breath and say in this moment she's telling me about her she's telling me about her experience so i'm just gonna keep myself one step back here and realize that this isn't about me, right? That's what holding space is, is to allow you to have your full emotional process while noticing mine, but not allowing mine to overtake yours, which happens so often to women, I believe, where you may have emotion. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa calm down, Violet, calm down. That's, I know, I know I just used the international sentence of, of you just fucked up, buddy. But because I can't, because all of a sudden I'm making your emotion about me or I don't have the capacity to just sit and listen and be like, wow, Violet's crying. Violet's really angry. Violet's emotional. I'm feeling some stuff, but I have enough emotional acuity and attunement and intelligence to not let my gaskets get blown. And therefore I need to control you so that I feel better. So it's really about holding space is such a beautiful practice for everybody in relationship and skillful conversation. If I go, Violet, uh, the thing you said really makes me feel like shit because you're kind of a shitty person. <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> That's not going to be that great. <laughs> so there's also just some communication skill that I think everybody in relationship can benefit from. I agree. As a woman, how can I ask my partner to go to therapy? Ooh. I mean, that is a billion-dollar question, Violet. You can't make someone do anything. Why do you want them to do that? If I have insight into something that my partner's doing that I know she doesn't have insight into, I'm like, hey, I can see this in you. I can see that you're struggling. I can't do this with you. I can't do it for you. But what I do know has helped me in the past is actually talking to a professional about this. I'm not my partner's coach. I'm not her therapist. I'm, I'm a lot of things for her, but I'm not those two things because that just makes our relationship codependent. She's not my therapist. She's not my coach. She's not my this. It doesn't mean we don't listen to each other. It doesn't mean we don't support each other. But no different than if I was just recently really sick. She brought me soup. She brought me water. She took care of me. I don't think less of you if you do this. I will actually think more of you if you do this. Right? Think about what is the resistance and then how do you speak to that resistance? I imagine that as a male, the idea of therapy may feel scary for you or may feel uh, emasculating, or that you're going to be weak. And I'm here to tell you that I think it's one of the bravest things I've seen a man do. And I would love for you to do that because, and then here's the sell the benefit, because I want to be closer to you. I want to be more connected to you. I want to have more sex with you. I want to have more laughter with you. I want to see you thrive. If a woman and when women have spoken to me that way, it melts my defenses. And makes me go, wow, okay, this person's actually doing this from the right place. It's not manipulative. It's not, she has no other agenda other than to love me. I just hope that the idea of relating and being in relationship comes back to both, to all of us. That it's so important now. We just spent the last two years isolated. My invitation to both men and women right now is now more than ever, we need to do the inner work. And we actually need to get over this idea that we don't need each other. Yes. We need each other. We really do. And it's beautiful the things. We can go so much further together. 
And the ride can be so much more enjoyable together. And I would love to see relationship have its heyday again and get rid of the toxic dating culture and hookup culture and getting rid of each other at the first sign of challenge culture. Let's actually foster some real intimacy here. I love that. I agree. I agree. Uh, Thank you. Where can people find you? I am most of my time on Instagram at Traver Bohm, T-R-A-V-E-R-B-O-E-H-M, or um, manuncivilized.com. And you can get my book on Amazon, on Audible. I have two, one for people going through a divorce or breakup called Today I Rise. But the real book that's actually been read by more women than men is Man Uncivilized. And that you can get on my website or Amazon or anywhere around. I have a podcast, The Uncivilized Podcast, and I'm not hard to find. But I would love to hear from anybody who listened to this, what you took away from it, or if there's any way I can support you as well. Amazing. So definitely, if you guys are interested to check out his website and his books and this podcast, also be in the description of this episode. So it's easier to click on it. Thank you so much for coming on today and helping us understand men better. And hopefully men can learn from this and be more in touch with their feelings because we'll have more sex with them. That's what I got from this. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate you, Violet. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Almost Adulting. And I'll see you next week. Love you. Bye.